Do we want Jesus of Nazareth to be our rabbi, our teacher, our spiritual guru, or do we want him to be our Messiah? I want to give us permission to think about that for a moment or 11 moments or so until the sermon is finished. We all, I think, expect that the answer is Messiah, but the safe answer is rabbi, because you're allowed to disagree with your rabbi. Clergy are wrong all the time, and if we don't like what our preacher is saying or what religion our preacher is peddling to us, we pick up and move along to another congregation If we don't like what's being said to us, it doesn't cost us anything to leave. But if Jesus is our Messiah, we don't have that luxury anymore. If Jesus is the one who shows us who God is and what God wants, we can't duck the difficult truths that he gives to us. We can't turn our backs on him without accepting that we are also turning our backs on God himself So what do we want from this Jesus? Do we want him to be our rabbi or do we want him to be our Messiah? This gospel lesson gives us John's way of leading us to that question. It was wintertime. It was the feast of the dedication, which means Happy Hanukkah is appropriate. It was the remembrance of that great celebration about 200 years before this gospel lesson takes place some Jewish rebels had overthrown the unholy and tyrannical dictator that had ruled their region Antiochus the fourth he's the one who had outlawed Judaism he had erected an altar to Zeus right in the middle of the Jerusalem temple He had desecrated God's holy place by sacrificing pigs within its walls. And in response to that evil, God raised up an anointed leader, a Messiah figure who would set God's people free. And in that generation, that Messiah was Judas Maccabeus, or Judah the Hammer, a nickname he got because he was particularly fierce in battle And he earned that title of anointed one by leading God's people in victory over the enemy armies whom they were never supposed to beat, so outnumbered were they. And you remember the Hanukkah story, right? After Judah and the other priests had cleaned out the temple and rededicated it, they discovered to their horror that they only had one day supply of oil for the lamp whose flame was never to go out. And yet somehow, through the miracle of God, that one-day supply burned for eight days until a new kosher supply of oil could be produced. It was God's sign that God's spirit had come back among God's people. And this gospel lesson shows us that it's Jesus' turn. With The memory of that festival and that event filling their minds, the Jewish leaders come to Jesus in that temple and say, how long will you keep us in suspense? If you are the Messiah, tell us plainly. In the two centuries since the temple had been rededicated, the Seleucid Empire had given way to Rome. 
And Antiochus and his followers had been replaced by Caesar and Pilate and Herod. And the time had come yet again for God's people and God's land to be delivered. It shouldn't surprise us then that the religious experts of the day wondered whether this radical rabbi from Nazareth, who loved to preach about the coming of God's kingdom, whether he might be another Judas Maccabeus, another anointed one, another Messiah. And so they asked him, they begged him, tell us if you're the one, tell us plainly. And Jesus said, I have told you, and you didn't believe. All the way through this chapter of John's gospel account, we hear Jesus telling the authorities who he really is. I am the good shepherd, he said to them. Now, Shepherd, of course, reminds them of another anointed figure, right? King David, who got his start as a shepherd boy. But we know that by the time David died, he had led the kingdom of Israel to the largest and most prosperous it would ever be. Could this Jesus, this shepherd, be another David, another Messiah, another leader like that? Well, power isn't the sort of shepherd Jesus had in mind. I am the good shepherd, Jesus said to them. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. For Jesus, the image of shepherd wasn't a trick, a a clever ploy to win the hearts of the people. Jesus didn't feign vulnerability in order to trick God's enemies into falling for a trap. This is who Jesus was. And it's how Jesus understood Messiah to be. The work of shepherd was, in Jesus' mind, the work of God and the work of God's anointed one. He didn't give up wealth and power to win the hearts of the people. Jesus believed that poverty and weakness are God's way. He didn't pretend weakness and vulnerability. He accepted the cross as the fulfillment of his mission, the crown of thorns, was the symbol of his reign. And some have a hard time seeing in that kind of crucified figure the anointed one on whom God's people have been waiting. And can we blame them? Who wants to follow a defeated leader? Who wants to follow a crucified Lord? And those who can see it And those who begin to believe it don't do so because they make sense of what it means for Jesus to be humble shepherd Messiah. They do so because, as Jesus tells us, they belong to him. My sheep know my voice, and I know them by name, and they follow me, he says. For Jesus, belonging is believing, and believing is belonging which means we cannot know what it means to believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the one who comes to show us who God is and what God wants, unless we belong to the one who is crucified, the shepherd who lays down his life for the sheep. Do we want that one to be our Messiah? Do we want to follow the crucified one, If Jesus is just a radical rabbi, we have the privilege of enjoying his sermons and then moving on to our regular lives. But if he's our Messiah, we can't do that anymore. 
if he's the one God has brought to us to show us who God is, we can't ignore that any longer. If Jesus is our Messiah, it's our turn to take up the cross and follow him. It's our turn to give up everything we hold dear, family and friends, career and prosperity. It's our turn even to die beside him because we see in him the only path that allows us to be a part of God's great reign. If Jesus is our Messiah, we cannot have wealth as long as there is poverty around us. If Jesus is our Messiah, we cannot have security as long as violence takes place in our schools and in our streets. If Jesus is our Messiah, we cannot have a nation if refugees are turned away at our border. If Jesus is our Messiah, we don't get family anymore. We don't get mother or father or sibling or child as long as there are vulnerable widows and orphans in our midst. Either Jesus is our Messiah or he isn't. Either he represents to us who God is and what God wants in our world, or he's just another overzealous preacher who had some pretty special things to say a long time ago. But if he's our Messiah, then the cross must be our way because it is the only way we will find God's reign in this world. And if he's not the Messiah, then power wins and greed wins and wealth wins. And that is not God's way. Who will our Messiah be? To whom will we belong? 